0: If you got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to meet me in Ephesians chapter 5. We've been walking through this series the last several months. And Ephesians, this whole idea of being rooted in Christ. If you think of a root, you're rooted. Roots sometimes go deeper than the tree is tall. So you're rooted in Christ. We want us to... I want... My, while we started this is walking through the Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians because it's one of them... It's a book I feel like is very integral to the Bible. All of them are. But this book, it separates... The book very uh, evenly, where the first three chapters talk about what God has done since the beginning of time, His goodness through. Uh, creating this world, but also creating us in His image, and then after we sin, set a plan in in action way before we actually fail through Jesus Christ to redeem us if we believe. That's the first three chapters, knowing all that God has done. So we're rooted in that. That belief in Jesus is rooted in all that God has done. And then these last three chapters, as we've been walking through, it's it's helping us learn how to live out those roots a little bit more practically. So we're we're, we're walking through that. We're in Ephesians chapter five. If you've missed it. Go online, go on our podcast, check us out so you can kind of catch up with us in this series. Has it been good for you? Yes, it's been good for my soul, too. I've been walking through and writing a lot. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. If you got it, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand on your feet if you're able as we read and honor the word of God together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right. The text starting in verse 15, it says these words. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for... That is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, the very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, making the most of every day. Can you say that with me? Most of every day, making the most of every day. Before we go any further, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. You are an awesome God. As we just sang praises to your name for your goodness, even when we don't deserve it, God, you're good. So God, I ask one thing right now, that you would just speak through me, God, use me, decrease me so that you may increase. Let your folks hear a word from you and not from me. In the name of Jesus, we all said together. Amen, amen. You can be seated. YOLO. I said it. Y'all know the word. YOLO. You all probably heard this or you probably said it yourself. You've heard it maybe from, from Drake or somebody else. YOLO. Y'all know it. Say it with me. You only live. You only live once. YOLO. Many of us use it, and we probably ascribe to it and basically saying, I might as well live my life the way I want to because I only live once. once. See, this sometimes leads to very wise decisions, sometimes it leads to not so wise decisions. And here's the thing, the meaning that is trying to be conveyed or underneath this whole idea of YOLO of making the most of every day is good, it's very good. Live it to the fullest. It's a good thing. It's just how we do it. It's how we do it because many of us, when we YOLO or we live it up, we only live once. We only have ourselves in mind when doing so. Therefore, YOLO becomes live your best life now, which is not Christian. Your best life is both now and not yet. It's not yet because this world has nothing on heaven, let me tell you. So it's both now and not yet. So, so as we get into the text this morning, I, I, I want you to see what Paul is doing. Paul is saying the most, live each day, get the most out of each day. But he's not saying this in a selfish, all about you type of sense. Instead, he's saying glorify God by doing good for others each day. So today, as we get into this text, I want to talk about making the most of every day, but more importantly, I want to talk about number two, why we do it. So I'm going to talk about making the most of every day, but also want to talk about why we do it, amen? In our context, as we've been walking through Ephesians, you see in this text that Paul has just told this young Ephesian church to be imitators of Christ So we talked about last week being imitators of Christ He's talking about that and then he says to watch out who you partner with Watch out who you partner with and to remember the goodness of God which causes one to imitate Christ because as was said last week when somebody has been good to you in turn you want to return the favor When somebody's been good to you, you want to return the favor, and in this case, it's not only that Christ has been good to us, but he's also lived the life that we should have lived. Therefore, he's been good to us, but he's lived that life exemplifying what we should live like, therefore, we want to live like him. Thus saying that because of how good he's been, in turn, we want to honor him with our lives. See, and Paul not only says imitate God, But he warns against partnering with the sons of disobedience. We talked about this last week, but this is very important, as I alluded to last week, because the Christian needs to love other people. We need to cross lines. We need to love other people. We need to love our neighbor. But at the same time, beware of partnering with those, joining yourself with those who do not believe the same thing you do. See, Christians need to still cross the line. We need to go across the line, meet people where they are, meet them with the love of Christ, but we still need to keep that message of grace and truth the same. Now, now what I mean is, if you look at Jesus' life, you look at Jesus' life as he walked throughout this earth, he crossed lines with different individuals, whether it be the prostitute Mary Magdalene or the tax collector Matthew that was in his discipleship group or, or, or the fishermen who are the lowest men in society. He crossed all these different lines with people, but you know what? Jesus never forgot who he was. He never forgot who he served, which was God his Father, thus saying he always kept his message of grace and truth the same. He never changed that up for anybody else. He never sacrificed the truth. He kept the truth the truth. He never tied himself or joined himself to anybody or anything that was not of God the Father. And see, here's the problem, because some of us are out here tying ourselves to things we shouldn't be tied to, tying ourselves to people we shouldn't be tied to, partnering with people, joining ourselves to them, not just crossing a line and loving them, but we're becoming like them and losing this message of grace and truth. And Paul says, don't partner with people or things that are not of God. And see, all this leads into this text today where Paul is still giving basic instructions on holy living. That's what he's doing. He's instructing Christians to live holy lives in result of being thankful, in result of being thankful for what God has done on their behalf. So look at the text. He begins by saying these words. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Basically saying, make sure you make the most of each day. Now, again, this is not YOLO. It's not YOLO, but instead he's saying, "Make the most of each opportunity to do good." He's saying to Christians, he's saying, he's saying, "Look, look, the Christian must be actively seeking every opportunity, keyword active, actively seeking every opportunity in life to do good for another person." Now, don't miss this because I'm not talking about doing ge- good, good deeds so that you can receive a reward afterwards. Remember, family, the, the context of what we're talking about now in Ephesians, where he's talking about living these things practically out, living these truths practically out, is it, talking about living this in, in, in community and serving other people, imitating Christ. It's, it's, been, it's doing good for someone else. Their benefit, not necessarily yours, but for their benefit, sometimes disadvantaging yourself for them. So hear me. This is, this is key. A Christ-like good deed is one that is done without expectation of a return. Let me say that again. A Christ-like good deed, what he's talking about here is one that's done without the expectation of a return. That's what I mean, think about Jesus, for example. When Jesus was about to be crucified, when he's here on this earth, he comes down, he, he lives our life, and then he's headed to the cross. When he's headed to the cross, he's headed to the cross, die, he's gonna die the death that we should die, but when he's going to the cross, there's no expectation or, 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 or knowledge of knowing that anybody is going with him. Is anybody going to follow him? The truth of the matter is, when he's headed to the cross, people just start turning their back on Jesus. They start denying him. But he still goes and dies. He dies the death that we should die for our sin and if we believe we have life. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't even know. He doesn't say that people will believe in me. Matter of fact, if you read his words, he says that people won't believe in me. But that does not stop him from dying. See, I don't know if y'all follow me, but the point I'm saying here is that when we do good deeds, whether that be serving in a homeless shelter, giving money away, helping someone in a time of need, whatever it may be, let me ask you, is it done from a place of pride where it just makes you feel good? Is it about you or is it done from a place of overwhelming thankfulness because of how good God has been to you? The latter is what Paul is talking about here in this text. When he says, take advantage, make the most of it every day, take advantage of every opportunity to do good. See, the Christian does good for others out of the overflow of what Christ has done for them. Because hear me, when you don't do that, when you don't do it out of the overflow and you do good out of your own strength, most of the time you end up disappointed or having unmet expectations. You ever been there before? Oh, I did this for them, man. I went over my, over and above for them. They, they should definitely do that in return. Man, I've loved them hardcore. I've served them. They should be thankful. You ever thought that before? And see, then when things don't happen in return the way you thought they should, you end up mad. You mad this morning? You mad? Sometimes you end up mad, right? Family, hear me. That's not what Paul is talking about here. That's not doing good for others. That's for you. That's for us. That's for our ego. He says, make the best use of time, meaning do good to others. But then he says for the days are evil see he wants believers to make the most of every moment but also understand that the world we live in or what's going on around us hear me is not of god which means that it can be hard to discern the pathway to righteousness or what is wise it can be hard so the question becomes well how do we discern what is righteous, what is wise, what is not wise, what is foolish, and what is not, what is not foolish? And, and hear me, because some of y'all might be saying, well, Pastor D, that's very easy. It's just common sense. No, it's not. It's not common sense. And this is important because we got some very smart people in this church. Business folks, we got master's degrees, we have lawyers, we have doctors. I got a master's degree myself. But hear me, none of us are so smart to the point that we can outsmart sin. And if that was the case, if we were that smart, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. We wouldn't have needed it. So it's not just common sense or intellect that guides us. You've heard me say this before, but the believer is able only to discern which way to go or what is of God or not by reading his love letter right here, reading the word of God and spending time with him. It's the same thing with your spouse or your friend. You only get to know them by spending time with them. I know my wife's favorite color. I know what makes her tick. I know what her hobbies are because I spend time with my wife. It's the same thing with God. You you have to spend time with him to get to know him. You have to spend time with him to know which way he's leading you and what he's, he's saying to you. You do that by spending time in the word of God. Paul says time is short here on this earth, so make the most of it. Make the most of it by living wisely. And again, we do this by reading the word of God because by spending time in this, we're able to rightly discern the will of God now with this, I know I just opened up a can with saying the will of God and discerning the will of God, but hear me, don't over-spiritualize this, okay? Don't over-spiritualize this, and what I mean is don't over-spiritualize trying to figure out the will of God. The reason I say this is because there's many things that God has not revealed to us which makes him God. We don't need to know everything about God or God that God has in store or else we wouldn't need God. So therefore, because we don't know all these things, we have to walk in faith. And see, here's the thing. Most of the things we don't know that God has not revealed to us, if he gave them to us, we wouldn't even be able to handle it. We wouldn't know what to do with it. It'd be too much for us to handle, which is why you see in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, you see people, when they come in contact with God, they keep their heads down. They don't look at God because seeing the face of God meant that you might die because it's just too much for us to handle. So you see God as a result of that showing up in the form of people, theophanies as you like to call them or or prophets, prophets, he's speaking through them and so hear me, Paul is not saying try to discern the things that have not been revealed to you yet, he's not saying try to try to discern those things so so this is what he's saying when he says discern the things of God he's speaking specifically hear me about the Bible which is the revealed will of God friends don't miss this our necessary wisdom for how to live this life as a believer here on this earth is right here all we need to know is right here It's in this love letter. There's nothing we need to seek outside of this love letter. So if you come to me, I know I'm Pastor D. I want you to come meet with me, come sit down with me. But if you come come to me and you say, I don't know what to do, Pastor. I I don't know which way to go. I don't know what decision to make. This is happening to me. And and I don't know if to marry this person or not. I don't know what financial. I'm going to say, have have you been spending time in your word? I'm going to ask you that first off. Because if you haven't been spending time in the word, I'm going to tell you, go read this. Because there's nothing that I'm going to tell you that's outside of the Word of God to give you direction for your life. Yeah, I know. Well, but I read it, and it doesn't feel right to me. You know, I feel this. We're always leading with our feelings. I feel this. That's the first thing that comes out. Now, hear me, believer. It's good to have feelings. But your feelings, hear me, should always follow your faith in the Word of God. It's the word of God, which is immovable. Your faith is in that, and then your feelings come as a result of that. Don't flip the train over. We like to flip that and say, oh, I feel this way. Then I want to find what the word says about it. No, no, it's, it's word, faith, then feelings. So although you may have feelings, which are valid, we need to have feelings. We need to be able to say those things. Your feelings, a lot of times, are misguided. Friends, the believer understands how to walk through this life knowing what is wise and what is unwise by reading the word of God and spending time with God. He continues in this passage in verses 18 through 21, laying out what it looks like to live wisely and not foolish. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul here again is, is specifically just talking of he's not just talking about wine. But again, if you remember from a few weeks ago where I talked about he's using this whole stop something and then start something analogy, that's what he's doing right here. He's saying stop doing something negative and start something positive. Now hear me, Paul is not saying that drinking wine is negative. He's not saying that's negative. Wine at the time was a staple drink in in the ancient Mediterranean and it was fermented so that the wine didn't turn to vinegar. Now fermentation is this whole process of taking the fruits and it it, it takes the the sugar out of it and it turns it to alcohol so when you drink wine that's why you get a little buzz and that's the alcohol and they're working in your system. So again Paul is not saying don't drink, he's saying don't get drunk. Don't drink too much because it causes one to become drunk, which leads to de- debauchery or, or for, for, for that may not know that, that word. It's an overindulgence and, and, and sensual pleasure. Or in other words, it's, it's, it's all types of trouble. <laughs> so, so he says, stop getting drunk and in trouble and instead be filled with the spirit. See, Paul is using this very common illustration Because people back then, they drank wine. They drank alcohol back then, and as well as most of us in here. Y'all be honest. Drink wine. And he's using this illustration to help the believer understand not only how to not live, but also how to live. Now, notice, he doesn't say do this in your own strength. No, he says what? He says be filled with the Spirit. Y'all going to have to wake up. He says, be filled with the Spirit. We're walking through this word, right? He says, be filled with the Spirit. So the question becomes, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Now, some of us have heard this before, maybe even used this line before, but a lot of times we use it wrong, where we think of this being this idea of being filled as something separate from a belief in Jesus, Hear me. When we believe in Jesus, you are gifted with His Spirit at that time. There is no separate filling of the Spirit. When we believe, we're already. Filled with the spirit at that time. See, Jesus tells us about all of this in the gift of the spirit when it comes in John chapter 16. He talks about this. He says, when I ascend to heaven, my, my spirit is going gonna to come as a gift to you all, a counselor, a comforter. He's going to come to believers. Now, I know some of y'all are like, well, okay, Pastor D. Well, what do you do with the book of Acts? We see all these people displaying all these different gifts when they when they receive the Holy Spirit. You see all this happening. And and without getting off the tracks with this, hear me. I need you to hear one thing about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not a prescriptive text. It's descriptive, which means that you shouldn't go to that book to get all your theology. But you should read that book as description of what happened in the early church how it started hear me Paul is not talking about a second feeling here as a believer you're filled with the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity the Spirit of God when you believe he's the helper he's a counselor he's a comforter he's a friend in need, he's but this is how believers are filled with him when we believe so the question becomes hear me stick with me why does Paul say be filled if believers are already filled hear me, the Greek word here in the original text for filled is in its present imperative sense, which means it does not describe a one-time filling, but here it is, a regular pattern of how you live life. So in essence, Paul isn't talking about salvation here. He isn't saying to be filled with the Spirit again. He's giving the imperative command to believers to walk as one filled with the Holy Spirit, living a radiant life of joy, showing the goodness of Jesus every day. See, here's the thing. In the context, if we read it in the context, you've got to read Scripture in its context at all times. Paul is saying the same thing over and over and over again since he started these last three chapters. He's saying it in the text today, he's saying the same thing. He's saying, don't just believe what you believe, but now you need to live it out. You need to walk it out. He says that so many different ways, and that's what he's doing here. Don't believe me? Y'all don't believe me? Look at verse 15. Let's go back to the beginning. He says, to look carefully, to walk as not unwise, but wise. Make the best use of time. Do not be foolish, but discern the will of God. Don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Paul is laying out imperatives because many Christians can say that they are Christians and they believe what they do. But when you look at their lives, it looks like something else. Saying, don't just believe it. I need you to live it. Thus, he's saying, when you live drunk with wine, you exemplify debauchery. But vice versa, when you are living filled with the spirit, your life exemplifies Christ. Where then now as a result, you bear the fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians 5, like love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. In essence, hear me, and I don't want you to miss this because this is key. Being filled with the Spirit of God means to live a radiant life exemplifying Jesus in response to God's goodness. Let me say that again. Being filled with the Spirit means to live a radiant life exemplifying Jesus in response to God's goodness. And you're probably saying, well, how do we do that? Or in other words, how do do I stay with this sense of feeling and there's many different ways. Staying in good Christian community, discipleship being poured into by another believer, mentor, and prayer. But if you stay in the text and what Paul is actually saying here, it's because it's, it's all in the text, the, one of the main ways of, stay, of being filled, living every day with this radiant life is by reading the word of God. Staying in his word. It's the same as I said earlier, we continually stay filled with the spirit the same way we discern God's revealed will for our lives, which is by staying in his word and spending time with him. Hear, Hear me. We can't possibly live a life filled with the spirit of God if we don't read the word of God. Simple. You can't live by the spirit of God if you don't know the God who gave you the spirit. What Paul is saying here is it's not over spiritual. There's no separate feeling or reading in between the lines, the white spaces in your Bible right here. Paul is being very elementary, just saying, be wise. Spend time with God in his word, knowing that he has been good and walk according to the spirit every day. Friends, y'all heard me say this before. Some of y'all been here before. But sometimes we make this Christian walk way too hard. And Paul's like, it's, it's not that hard. Don't make it that hard. Don't add to it. Y'all, Christ did all the work saying stop trying to make it hard stop hanging him back on the cross trying to do it your way stop trying to make it hard add to it just get to know him he's saying imitate him and walk in his ways and then if that's not enough here's the thing if that's not enough christ did something else he gives you the holy spirit the same spirit that he possessed when he raised from the grave he says look i know i called you to walk in my ways you're not going to be able to do that so let me give you my spirit so you can walk in my ways y'all look look he does all the work Family, do well to study the scriptures and walk in the ways of God with His help. We make this walk hard. We make it very hard when we walk in our own strength. And that's when we get off track because we always feel like we're better than we actually are. Like we know more than we actually do. Or we we just have to do something. We got to make it better. We can't sit still. I was talking to a pastor this week. He's, he's about to turn 80. And he, he, he's pastored a church in town for, for years. And, I mean, he's seen thousands of people come to Christ. Thousands of people come to Christ. And at the same time, he saw, he's seen many people walk away. And many people struggle. And you know why? You know why they walk away? He says, he says that, that because somewhere along the line... Jesus lost his seat as being the center of their lives, and then they placed themselves in that same seat. So now they're the center. And he said, and if believers just kept Jesus at the center, it may be tough sometimes in this world, but it's all going to work out for their good because Jesus is in control. So just follow Jesus. I looked at him and started scratching my head. I said, man, he made it sound so simple. But family, hear me, he's so right. He's so right. As long as we keep Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, central, this life may get hard. There may be some up and downs all over your life. There may be some tough times. But you know that Christ has already overcome the world. (laughs) Therefore, we can live victoriously. Hear me. I'm spending a lot of time on this piece right here because if we miss this part of what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God and discern the will of God, then the rest of this book of Ephesians and the rest of the Bible won't mean much to you. Friends, here's what I mean. If we miss that reading the Word of God, being filled with His Spirit, living a radiant life and discerning the will of God is not about us, but it's about knowing God and honoring him, then hear me, if you miss that, you're going to be frustrated with Christianity your whole life because you'll always come back to, where is the good in this for me? See, if we miss that, all of this, reading the word of God, living this life, is to glorify, give honor to God. If we miss that, we're going to be some frustrated Christians because we're going to look around and say, where's the good for me? Where's the good in this? And some of us look at our lives and our situations and we're saying, why Why are things so bad for me? Why why am I not married? Why do I not have more money? Why has God not been good to me? And much of the reason we stay in this frame of mind is because as Christians or not, even if we're not, we're not living in this place of of making God ultimate. We're not living in this place where Jesus is at the center and, and, and everything we do is to glorify him. No, no, it's about us. But see, what Paul is trying to get at here, here it is. A, 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 but because if we, and I'm going to say we because we all get to this place sometimes when we're off track and we're, we're thinking we got it made and we know what we need to do with our lives. See, we all get to this place where we're living for ourselves. But hear me, if we read the word of God, we read the Bible at all times to know God, we would know that his ultimate goal was good for humans before we sinned. We would read and spend time with him and and we would know that he spent the most time making humans in his image. Not angels, not anything else, not animals, but only us in his image. See, if we really read to know God, then we would know that throughout the Old Testament, he was loving, he was gracious, he was continually chasing after his people after they defied him time and time again. See, see, we would know that when, when all else failed, he then sends his son, Jesus, God in the flesh to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we should have died, then raised from the grave with power in his hands. See, see, I'm not sure if y'all are following me with this, so I'm going to keep on going. See, see, because if we keep reading the word of God and we read it to know God, then we would know that he never intended for us to be separated from him, his people, and has left his spirit because of that to all believers as a seal of redemption to know that he's coming back some of y'all still not getting to see hear me because if we really were at the word of god to know him we would know that he has truly been good to humanity and that he has intended for humanity not to suffer long so that if we believe y'all he's coming back to take us to heaven right, right. seeing all of this if we truly read the word of god to know him then we'll imitate his ways we'll walk in the power of the spirit easily knowing that he has indeed been good. See, when we live by these truths in the Word of God right here, we understand that there is nothing that can happen to us in this world to change the fact that he has been good. How good he is today and how good he's going to be. God is good. Friends, if we know this truth of his goodness, then we can easily live a radiant life or being filled, doing what the rest of this text says. Look at it with me. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence, out of reverence for Christ. Why? Again, because we know that God is good family hear me because here's the truth here's the truth we don't have a problem living the way God has called us to live when we believe that he is and has been good we say that again we won't have a problem we don't have a problem living the way God has called us to live When we believe that he is and has been good. And see, that's where the problem comes in. Because maybe you walked in here and you're having a struggle with his goodness. I invite you to pick up this word of God right here. Walk through it slowly. And then look at your life. Look at your life. Because here's the thing, whether you're single, married, struggling with finances, or some other problem, whatever it may be, when we truly understand that because of our sin, we should be dead, but yet we're alive because of his goodness, because of his sacrifice, then our troubles, our trials consume us less when we truly understand the wages of sin is death, but we're alive, we start to complain less. We take less for granted and we start thanking God for the breath in our lungs that I got up this morning. We start thanking God that we have trials because we should be dead. We thank God for everything because we realize we shouldn't have anything. See, when we truly understand we should have nothing, we start giving thanks to God, sharing his goodness with others, singing songs of praise. Even when we're going through some mess, all these things in our life, because the text says, and it's trying to let us know that we do all this because he's been good. He has been good. Family, Paul, again, is, is telling the believer, do all these things out of thankfulness. Thankfulness for what God has done through Jesus on your behalf. Don't just believe it. Live it out. We do good to others because he has been good to us. Thus, we are filled or live radiant lives shining bright, showing off Jesus, making the most of each day, regardless of our circumstances, because God has indeed been good. He's been good. Amen. Be filled renewal. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness.